Hey everybody out there, another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast coming at you live from Argentina Duck Hunting Adventures in the province of Buenos Aires, Argentina. Again today from the lodge is Clay Belding, Dead Dog Walking, J.P. Fisher, Benelli USA, George Thompson, Benelli USA, and Rock Merlot. Merlot Waterfowl, California Waterfowl Association, and Merlot Farming, Chico, California. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Dick Peck Tires and Wheels and our friends at Anheuser-Busch, the king of beers, the red and white, the one and only Budweiser. Guys, today I want to start off by just talking a little bit about today's hunt. I still have, no pun intended, goosebumps, even though they weren't geese, but we killed 164 ducks, Rosie Bills, Till, Widgeon, Pintail, George, just talk to me a little bit about, did you hit any, first of all, just be honest, 100% honest. Well, you know, regardless of the pictures that you posted up on the Instagram, I actually did kill a few birds today. Um, and, you know, the first, what, 45 minutes or an hour of, of this morning's hunt was just epic. It was as fast as you could load the gun, uh, get back on the shoulder and shoot. I mean, the birds were just dumping in constantly. It was pretty awesome. And what was awesome, JP, is that we were talking about how North America, when you're hunting puddle ducks, they come, you know, when you're hunting over water like that, there's a certain way that puddle ducks work and there's a certain way that diver ducks work. A lot of assumptions, I think, when you go to foreign lands is that you're not going to see that kind of action, but they were coming from high altitudes, and Rocky can touch on this or Clay as well, but high altitudes and dropping in, cupping their wings, feet down, losing the air, letting the air out of their wings, and then settling up right over the mojos in the kill hole. And it was just night and day compared to yesterday, yeah? Yeah, this morning, especially when, when the wind was right and those birds were flying everywhere, they just sort of stopped right in front of us. It's just like hunting anywhere else. Those birds were sitting ducks, pun intended. We, we killed them pretty good. Wow, pun intended. Did you yeah. that one thrown I in did, there? I did. Sitting it's ducks. Good. But it was. It's like rock. They Widgeon over rice in, in the delta of Sacramento or the Butte, you know, the Butte Sink country of where you hunt around Durham or Chico, California, that's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. When you get a windy day like that and you got some sunshine, those widgeon or pintail come from high, and it's the same thing here. Those rosy bills are pretty much like any duck that we hunt in North America. Right. Well, we, we, saw, we saw all three kind of approaches today. I mean, we saw the big water bank um, over, the, over the lake, pond we're in, whatever you want to call it, um, where they took big wide swings and then came and worked up into the decoy spread. We had them cup and drop, like you were saying earlier, from straight up and just one pass straight in. But then we also had them dropping over our backside and just dropping right over the top of the, over the blind and, and dropping into the decoys. And, and those were the ones, honestly, we didn't shoot at because they, they, they came in, they snuck in, and it was so quick of a drop. And they were pairs and, and triples like that. But we also had those big bunches coming in that were that were really it was really epic watching them. I mean, it was like you said, night and day difference from yesterday. No stress with it. And there was times where there'd be 20, 30, 40 dead birds on the water because <laughs> those flocks were finishing so fast on top of each other. By the time we got done killing one, we had just enough time to reload the ethos and get back on get it back on the shoulder for the next flock coming in. And the way that they do things down here is that they have, you know, it's just like dove hunting up in the Cordoba area where they have quote-unquote bird boys where Monty has them waiting, you know, where the water's, where the wind's pushing these ducks. They're waiting down there with inner tubes and, and feed bags like you would see at a chicken, a chicken feed store or something. <laughs> and they're just packing the birds in there. And that's one thing that, you know, I really want to get the message out there is that you kill 164 ducks in a day. We killed 100 yesterday. 
what are you doing with all these ducks? And there, and one thing's for sure is the economy around here. There's lot, not a lot of money with these farming and ranching families around here. Monty and his crew provide a lot of meals for the locals around here by giving them the meat. They, they'll, some of the farmers take them and clean them themselves and process them. Other ones are processed here at the lodge and then sent to the farms. And then, you know, Franco, Monty's head chef here, cooks a lot of the ducks. We've eaten duck every day since we've been here. So I think that that's a really cool thing that these ducks, when you're killing that many, are benefiting several families as well as his clients and his crew. Yeah, well, I like the duck empanadas for sure. So, I mean, the rest of it's cool, but come on, those duck empanadas are amazing. Every day we've had them, and they, get, they seem to get better and better every day. Yeah, you, you, you kill the birds the day before, then yeah. they're waiting for you to eat the next day when you get back from killing another hunter. Yeah, that was pretty great. And they, that, being a good chef and having somebody like he has with Franco here, it's pretty legit what he's oh preparing. God. And they're out there getting into some ducks right now he's going to prepare a couple different appetizers tonight and we've chosen to eat our dinner at 9 30 p.m because which is early here <laughs> it's early here but we had a pretty substantial lunch again with that fish and that fish is called pickerel which is caught 45 minutes from here and i thought it was you know i hear pickerel call you know walleye called pickerel in some parts of north dakota and canada and i it tasted a lot like walleye yeah it was really good very light that, white fish it was awesome yeah what is the what do you guys have any like pref, preferences or anything that you would want if if he gave us our choice of eating anything that we've had so far? What would it be besides the empanadas? That pork, the pork belly yeah. tenderloin. The pork last night was, was off the hook. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Or the yeah. or the smoky garlic. Uh, I was just gonna say so the smoky. I can't get that out of my mind. Those smoky, <laughs> I need that recipe. Yeah. The raviolis. No, the the smoky garlic the mashed potatoes. No, I'm saying, what about oh. the raviolis though? <laughs> the raviolis were good. Th- those mushroom raviolis. But I got to be handed that that pork was yeah, pretty pork off the chart last night. Oh, yeah, because I've never had a. I remember, a yeah, that, like was, that. that was actually the prime rib the of the pe- pork. The, was yeah, the, the wider pear, tenderloin, which in America they don't cut mm-hmm. like right, that. Right. And these guys cut it, so you got the fat in it, rolled up, and then he, it was just off. the But chart. you put it with that. Grilled pear, grilled pear oh, which I've never yeah. done, right? I've never done a grilled pear. But I got to tell you, you know, I go, I have a butcher near me that I get a lot of stuff from, and I'm going to ask him to feel do that pork. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they, right? He's going to think I'm crazy. But well, have you ever have you ever went to a butcher and had him cut your pork butt steaks, like a, like a, they're called Boston butts in a lot yeah, of places yeah, yeah. in America. Have you guys had a real Boston butt yeah. feed? And you see how much grease and oils and fats come out of that cut of meat. But the taste of there's a place called Strawberries in southeast Missouri in the Boot Hill country, right in the middle, right in the heart of duck country of Arkansas, Missouri border. And they specialize in the Boston butt with this really awesome dry rub. Yeah. And that reminded me a lot of the meat we were eating last night was kind of that same texture and same flavor of just juicy pork meat. I guess it's kind of like a really moist pork chop. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. And, and, and more tender, right? I think it was... Like fall off the bone. You could cut it with a fork, you know? What do you guys think about Monty Baldwin as a, as a character? As a, like, <laughs> can we do a reality show based around this Oh, dude? we have to. It would, it would have to be a cable TV show, I believe. <laughs> really? Why? <laughs> well, you know, he's not... Uh, Monty's... They, they broke the mold when they make, made Monty. He's a, he's a unique fella, and oh my goodness, he's full of energy for his, for his age, and, and he loves being down here and loves hosting, and... And um, he's just, he, he's almost putting on a show for us down here. He's a lot of fun. He's 66 years old and he goes hard. <clears throat> he's up at three in the morning. He's yeah. hunting all, he stays out there for the entire hunt. And then he comes back here and gets, he's got a, 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 well, a then business he goes, going. Then he goes supervised building the blinds. I mean, 
It's, you know, he's he's working all day long. But I, but a reality show, it would be. It's a that's a million dollar idea. He's, what would we he's call hilarious. It? Uh, the full Monty. Oh, I think we just nailed it right yeah, there. It's got to be. That's like like the Big Lebowski kind of theme <laughs> show, like the full Monty. And he walks in, he looks like, uh, I would have him look like um, Bill Murray's part in Kingpin. You know, how he's got the hair and he's just all partied out. That's how Monty reminds me of everything that comes out of his mouth is freaking energetic as heck. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a huge smile. Com- what- you know, totally... Happy and smiling the whole time. He's he's a great great energy. Well, what's cool about it is that you know, no one really knows him. Probably who's listening, but he's he's done well in life. Right, right. And you know, a lot of those people don't do what he does. And he's all about giving back and having fun and just sharing life and you know, working living hard. life and working hard still, yeah, still. At, at this age at sixty six and still doing what he loves and. And bringing a smile to everybody's face because well, of it. Yeah, that's why this place is so special, right? I mean, he, I, don't, I don't think it would be the same if, if, you know, there's plenty of guys out there that run lodges and, and they, have, they do a great job. But I think this place would be, you know, above average without Monty. But with Monty, I think it's, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. spectacular. Yeah, he's definitely got the work ethic and the and the poise to pull something like this off because it's no easy feat to, yeah, like Clay said, he's been very influential in business and in, in, in the Western United States and pre-commercial development, construction, real estate, anything that you, along those lines, and then to come down here 7,500 miles from that area, you know, and to put on have this kind of a lodge and these these network this networking and these re- relationships. Yeah, it just shows you how strong minded he is and the entrepreneurial spirit it takes to to pull something like that off. I agree. I'm impressed with his local relationships. I mean, you know, the guys he's got working for him down here, and I think he trusts them. You know, with his he said it today. I trust him with my life. You know, so it's pretty neat. And uh, you know, you guys know him, but you know, coming down here and and, and it's always sort of. You never know when you go to a new place and you got a, a host and somebody you don't know. You know how you, how personalities clash and sometimes things don't really work out. Uh, but you, you get through it. It's no big deal. But, you know, it's been like I've known him my whole life and we've been here for a couple of days, right? So, it's Uncle Monty. Uncle Monty. I want my uncle. That, oh, that, that's the other show. Cause uncle the other, Monty. Yeah. The full Monty's been full taken. Monty's taken. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uncle I might, Monty. They might get the wrong idea with the full Monty. Yeah. Uncle Monty. Week at Monty's. <laughs> Weekend at Monty's. <laughs> yeah. Not for Rocky. I think he's going to be every other week at Monty's. Yeah. <laughs> well, Monty has a heck of a place where Rocky lives too in Calusa. He's got a you know a big pad there, big duck lodge, and he's a member of the of the Wild Goose, which is a historic duck club in the Butte Sink. And he's you know again, you work hard in life and you become independently wealthy you have the ability to do what he's doing and he has every right to do that and for him to have the passion that he does and to be able to share it with us like this i mean he's he spares no expense he picks up the tabs he's his food is amazing here and he's literally every time he's how is there as soon as he pulled up today with the hunt how was it what is what do we need to fix he's always and i love him because he's always taking advice or or recommendations from us yeah and and the the great thing and this is probably part of why he's been such a great success in life He's always looking for ways to improve it. You know, he's not just saying, I've got this thing nailed. It's great. He's, he t- t- takes great advice, and he's always, oh, next year, you got to come back. you got to see what we're going to do, and next year, it'll be like this. And you know, he, and you got to imagine, he's just going to constantly be doing that and making this place better and better and better and better. Yeah. And he, um, he, you can hear the cooks getting ready. They're rocking in the back, and he, he just came out and saw that we were doing a podcast. And Caesar, come here, friend. 
How do you say come here in Spanish? Vaniki? See, I had that. Say hello to our friends out here. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Say hello. Ah, hola. How are you? <laughs> Keep going. Sing a Spanish song. Okay. Okay. Now, he was telling us that he's very excited for us to be here and that we're all good friends now and that he wants you guys to come back in Argentina at all times. Okay, Anytime. cool, but tell him to sing it now. Puedes cantar. Si. Si. Happy uh, birthday. No, no. Malo. <laughs> Bad voice, he said. Thank you for everything, Caesar. Gracias. Yeah, one of the things that I was thinking about today, Rock, and you do a lot with... with politics and conservation efforts, especially with CWA, is what is the big deal about an electronic call when it comes to duck hunting? Why wouldn't America let you have a, a recorder going? Because down here they're using audio systems like you would on a predator hunt or like you would on a snow goose hunt, and they're playing the sounds of rosy bills. I don't know if they're mating sounds or vo I don't know what the vocabulary is, but why couldn't you have a thing going of, of widgeon whistling and pintail whistling? And is it unethical to, to have electronic calling? And do you know any of the facts about, around the laws that, that surrounded in America? Well, we, I, I looked into it last year with, um, uh, with Jake Messerly at CWA was asking him and, uh, he's our vice president and, you know, apparently it came down to at a point where it just became, it was a fair chase issue. And they didn't feel that in California that it was fair chase. They didn't feel like we had um, depredation problems uh, to lower the population that much by using them like they would in Texas or, you know, up in the Dakotas when you all are doing it on those um, goose hunts. Um, the duck hunting, um, I just, I couldn't answer that. I would just assume it's, we've always used calls in the States and for the ducks, um, I don't think they're going to go there because the waterfowl, um, here, I mean, it, it, it's possible there's so many of them that maybe they do have a depredation problem, you know, with the numbers of birds, um, or it's just that it's just not really thought about. I mean, one, trying to emulate that duck today, I, I mean, I, I mean, you and I have called ducks since we were little kids. I mean, it, it's hard to make that sound um, with the uh, with our calls. But we kind of noticed after the hunt, I started, you know, playing with the craw and the and the vocal uh, larynx on the duck, and that rosy bill literally has a bulging square box yeah. in its neckline. I've never felt that on any bird I mean, before. And every one of them had that. So that's where I think that it's coming from. And I just don't think that there's truly a, a call. I mean, maybe we could make one. Um, but, I mean, they just don't have anything to sound like that. I mean, we're, we kind of sound like it. But not really. No, not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, that vo that voice box is, woke up. That, vo that voice box is amazing. It's a good three quarters to an inch Square, square, uh -oh. or whatever it is. We it is, it we is like one out a, tomorrow and it is see what just it looks a little like. bit bigger than uh, if you were to stick a dice yeah. down that yeah. duck's throat. That's what we it felt like. Yeah. Was a, a little bit larger than a than a hard dice, and it's hard. 
We need to cut one out tomorrow and see. Kind yeah. of what and you're like. for sure. Think, were you pushing on it and getting some sounds out of it when you were? Well, no, no, you got to pass through it. Yeah, it passes through it. Let's take know? one out tomorrow and breathe and whistle through it or and blow air blow down the um, down the tube of the, of the duck. You know, you we'll might have be George able to do that part. Get yeah. that. A little duck CPR, see what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another question. It is question. different. It Here's is another different. question for Rocky and George. That how how big was that lagoon we were hunting today? How many acres of water was that? You think? I would say it was twenty acres. Twenty acres. Those ducks are coming off of bigger water than that. They're out there rafted up on some bigger water, and they're coming in to these ponds to eat during the day, just like they do in America. They leave their roost and they come to eat. Um, would you have a chance without the spinning wings out there with that size of water and they're flying over that visually and the concept of motion and attraction of ducks and i talked to terry demon the founder and, and still the president and ceo of mojo you have the mojo was created to get ducks attention from a long ways away and bring them close enough to let your decoy spread your calling your jerk strings the rest of your apparatus and arsenal do the work to get them in tight I don't think we would kill 10% of the ducks you do down here without spinners, with the vast size of the country and the areas that these ducks have to go. And we saw it today when that wind switched, there was a, a lot of ducks went over on the other side of the lagoon and landed. I don't, would you, you think you'd have a chance without mojos here? Well, I mean, I think, Chad, I think we've, yeah, the, the mojos definitely are a big hit. We, we know that. We know that the mojos are a big hit. Um, we saw that when they were introduced into California in 99 um, with the mallards. But, you know, out here, um, they're helping exactly what you say. They're, they're seeing us from a long distance. We had a pond. I'm not sure if you could see it from your side of the blind, but there was a pond um, to, the, to the, you know, to our left. Well, I don't know what really direction that was, but I believe it was my, our northwest. Um, there was a pond back there, and ducks were going into there this morning. And you could see them off in the distance. And, and we had birds that were coming from there, lifting off and coming to us. So not sure what it was, but the mojos did help. But, you know, we would have been shut down today, um, my opinion, if we didn't have it at the end there when the wind did switch. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's where I really saw it. I, I, I think that here, if you didn't have the mojo, um, it would be more back when we were in the 90s, 80s, 70s prior, them coming out. You would have had to move today. You would have literally had to pack up and move your blind and went to the other side of the pond if you wanted to shoot ducks, or you were done, yeah. because the ducks wanted to be over there. We just kind of enticed them to come and take a look. But honestly, I think this afternoon, I mean, that mid-morning hunt, I bet you out of the ducks that were coming in the pond, I bet you we only were able to pull in maybe 20%, 15 to 20 of what was coming through, where this morning we were like 85%, 90 you know, at first light. So that's where we saw it, um, but they definitely do react to them here. I mean, there's no doubt about it, especially from the altitude that they were dropping in. George, what do you think is the key to, to decoying ducks? And I often think about this too. You guys think about this. And when you have a, a group of one, two, three, we had five guns in that blind today, and each gun's holding four shells. So you five. have a f five. Mine was holding four. I think I forgot to load it again. My 20-gauge only holds four, right? No. I'm so used to just putting three in. My 20-gauge holds five, too? The one you're using today did. It did? I was only hunting three, so that shows you how deadly that Chad's aim is. Yeah, well, I have videos about that. Oh, you do? We'll have to see them. <laughs> how do you guys go about picking out ducks when I call the shot? 
it's, it yeah. seems like we always were. Sh- there were some ducks that were in that kill hole today. Do you guys strategize and say, all right, I know that that duck's going to be lit up right away? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of funny because I think of that every, every time before I pick a bird, I think to myself, which one is everybody going to shoot at? Because I don't want to shoot at that one. Yeah. And I think it's funny because I would imagine everybody does that. <laughs> and we ultimately end up picking a lot of the same birds. Yeah. There's a few times where there was like, Eight birds would come right in the spread, and we would just kick the heck out of one of them. <laughs> shoot it, you know, all three of us yeah. shot the same and, bird. And the lead bird that was closest flies away. Yeah, <laughs> because in America, part of the and Rocky can talk on it again. The laws, the the lawful part or the regulation part of duck hunting, the blind limit is something that's all been talked about for a long time. So you have a lot of, and down here it doesn't apply, obviously. But in America, you have the ability to do what we do, where you stand up and shoot, and then all of a sudden you have 18 dead ducks and you're allowed 24. Well, does that mean that I get to kill one more or two more or three more and you're done for the day and you got to put your gun up? That's the kind of thing that you start, you start to think about is how, how far can that be pressed lawfully, Rock, as far as a blind limit goes? And could potentially a game warden come in and say, whoa, because legally in America, you're supposed to have your bounty in possession with you in front of you. So... It's, I guess it's up to the hunters to say, all right, well, let's legally disperse these throughout the blind so we can all keep shooting. Is that legal? Well, it, it, in the, the law in California states that you're supposed to take your own game. Okay, you shoot your birds, you pile your birds up in front of you. Um, if you do it any other way, it's called gang shooting. Okay, and the wardens, they, don't, they frown on that. So, you know, that's where, you know, in California, it, it's, it makes it a little difficult on our goose hunts that we're doing, you know, when we're running six to ten guys in the field, um, you really have to watch and keep your zone, okay? Uh, duck hunting is not so bad. Duck hunting is a usually a smaller group sport, you know, part of the hunting part. Um, we're usually in the blind with two to three individuals when you go duck hunting. Most duck clubs in the sink, um, there's only, you know, a, a, a two partners. That's it that are going. So you're calling your shots and so forth like that today. But if you notice today, Chad, um, how many times, I mean, it was, you know, I I bet you it was 20 of our ups. We called shots for individuals in the blind. Yeah. We still brought that to the hunt because that's, that's, that is the hunt, you know, watching your buddy, um, you know, miss, you know, I was going to say watching your buddy hit and, you know, and and, and high fiving or watching the miss and getting the rub in. Okay, and the laughs with it, and you made the comment that we have been laughing a lot on this trap, this trip, because we've been excited and happy and jovial and so forth. Um, but you know, it, it didn't matter. I mean, if one of us was off today or yesterday, um, we throw jabs about it, and then the next day they're on. Um, you know, and you know, some of us, you know, you know, rarely, you know, never miss, and they like to preach that, you and then we've got. Us, we're watching, you know, we're watching him miss today, and, you know, but the duck yeah. would land at the other end of the pond, and that's, that's my only hit, that was right. My, that, yeah, <laughs> you guys thought I missed that duck, and he got he was lung. I've got video, yeah. <laughs> but no, but it is, it's, it's, you know, to go back to your question, um, you know, you got to in California, you need to, you, you're responsible for your own take. Um, there's a new law that just came out on the salmon fishing. And the wardens are going to be hard on it this year. It's, it's, it's one fish on the river. And I think this is the way, you know, probably a lot of it's going to go in the future. Um, when you catch your salmon, you're done. Your rod's out of the water. Your rod is out of the water and put up. 
and the other people on the boat um, can continue to fish till they catch their fish. So um, they're going to be strict on it. I don't know if it's a change. Um, you know, in the, the past, the wardens and, um, have been fairly light on um, the, the shooting with big groups. I just don't know where it's going to go. But when our business, we really try to follow, you know, the letter of the law. It would be hard to, I mean, just in my mind, I don't know, obviously, no lawyer or anything. It just, there's no way to prove. How do you prove it, yeah. If 10 dudes come up and... Th- there's, there, there's no BBs that are marked from your gun that they oh, can go geez, in don't and say, say that out loud. California's listening. Yeah. yeah. Well, there isn't some ammo companies out there that have done that with yeah, different they color, do the color shot. shot. Yeah. yeah. But what like, if we're going to cut them open every time? Well, not that, but what if me and <laughs> real shit ammo doesn't color. get caught yeah. in the duck? It's true. It goes right through it. I, I want to bring what we were just saying about uh, calling names. It, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, like Chad's at the end of the blind. He's like, all right, JP, this one's yours. And then you get that, like, added pressure of being on the spotlight. You know, everyone's watching. And you know when you stand up to take that bird, no one else is standing up. Or if they are, they're shooting to, like, you know, hit your miss, which is even worse. Would it be fair to nickname me Cleanup, George? Honestly, like how many times? No, 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 no. I think Clay is Mr. Cleanup. Oh, my. He's killed way more than you. No, no, no. No, no. I mean, I'm telling you right now. There is some. we, We have a little bit. It is. You are close to Mr. Clean. (laughs) is that a hair joke (laughs) but think jp honestly you uh, you you've hunted ducks several times i don't know how experienced you in it but there is an art to cripple killing there's a right way to do it and a lot of people think that you put the bead on the duck's head and hitting that duck's head at that pattern you know if he's 30 or 40 yards out there you you don't you might not but the way that i was always taught to do it was aim five feet in front of the duck and let that those BBs penetrate the water and get to the vitals in the duck's belly down there in his stomach, right? Yeah. And that works. And we've seen it. We've dispatched some cripples because when you're killing that many ducks that fast, you are, you are going to have some cripples here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we did today. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we preached it, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, there's an art to it. It's not as easy as it, I mean, it seems really easy. It's just, it's just a, you know, stationary target or a kind of twitchy target. And, and uh, you know, you put the beat on it, and then, yeah, it's 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 an art to it for sure. On I know, messed it up a couple times. I'll, I'll admit it. But it, there, there, but there would be there would be individuals who would come and not worry about that. And if you really think through the hunt today, um, there were missed opportunities on our part because we were being ethical and and, and cleaning up the birds that were on the water. That's true. And not just letting them fall. Yep. And so and that's the proper way to do it. I think that the compassionate part of being a hunter is very important, the responsibility part of it. And the last thing I want to visualize is a crippled duck with a even though it's natural and eagles and hawks are going to come down and smoke even the live healthy duck. It's our job to dispatch that duck and put it out of its misery as fast as you can ethically and morally to where he's dead and you and you eat it. A duck flopping his wings and causing that commotion, you know, it happens out in the wild all the time. And that's why coyotes come to decoys because they see a bird that's twitching or they see a rabbit that's crippled or a deer that's been crippled or whatever. It happens. But as a hunter, it really bugs me when guys are... I think that having a really good dog is the ethical thing to do to where you can send them on a blind retrieve and get a long cripple. But there are a lot of hunters that I've been around and I've been guilty of it myself to where that cripple goes down 200 yards away and you're like, oh, we'll get them later. Sometimes they forget to count it against their limit, which it is part of their limit. Second, they yeah. go over there and that thing crawled up into a hole or got hit by a hawk or whatever. It happened yesterday when one landed on the shore, that hawk came down and, and busted it. It was just a little pile of feathers. Right. So 
you might mess up a couple flocks going out and getting your birds or shooting a couple extra shots and scaring some flocks, but you're doing the right thing is the, yeah. the compassionate part of being a hunter. Yeah, and I think down here, just the sheer volume of ducks, you know, we, we kind of stressed out a little bit about missing some, some really good opportunities because we were doing the ethical thing and, and, and shooting those cripples. But, I mean, what, we shot 164 ducks, whatever. I mean, it's not like we, <laughs> we didn't really miss, miss much. We still had an amazing time, and we did everything the right way. No, it's, it's, it's just one of those deals to where what's the difference between killing 130 or 164? There's, there's, all it is is more to clean. If you're going to take the responsibility of killing that many, you've got to do it right. And you yeah. don't want cripples to swim away and have the opportunity to get away from you right. just because you're in a hurry to get to the next flock. Yeah, no doubt. So I want to see, I want to just kind of go around the table and figure out what is the, what would you say is like the most, I don't know what the, you know, like energetic part of that hunt is because I'm sitting in awe of a lot of the times because I never, ever imagined that we would see that many ducks on an Argentina duck hunt. Is it, is that going through your guys' head, the sheer number of ducks that you're seeing? It has to. I mean, it's unreal, right? I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of ducks hunting together, Chad, and, and, um, you know, sometimes they cooperate, sometimes they don't, but the sheer number i've never been in a situation where you're you're loading as fast as you possibly can because the next birds are about to land in your decoys right um and it was an hour of that this morning just non-stop yeah, it so. seemed like the the shot we're calling them in yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they're like what's going on over there let's go yeah, check it out but my favorite part probably and i've seen i've been on top of a, a few grinds where there's thousands of mallards on top of you but not for an hour straight, right? And it's not thousands of rosy bills all at one time, but it's a constant flow of ducks. So my favorite part is seeing the reaction of like JP, yeah. where it's, you know, we just killed two and the level of excitement of the next 10 that are coming in is, you know, okay, we gotta go again, we gotta get, yeah. and that, that excitement for me to see that joy in somebody, a hunter's, you know, mind is that, that's a, what does it for me? Yeah, this morning was was the most fun I've ever had duck hunting for yeah. sure, and <laughs> and it was I was I got to the point where I was giddy about it, you know. And you were like, <laughs> you're like, listen to JP yeah. laugh down there, and I'm like, hey, there's two more on the left. Yeah. <laughs> How many boxes of ammo did we start with today? We started with six twenties, right? And we would have shot six, but Rocky sat on top one and forgot we had. So we shot <laughs> we shot 164 birds, so I think we had about eight or nine boxes. But how many did we have? We started with, we shot five boxes of 20 gauge. <laughs> so th th what's 25 times five? 125. Okay, 125. Five. And I think we had five, eight. 125. I think we had eight boxes of 12. Okay, so we had 13 boxes of ammo shot today. And not one 1980s type powder burn. I mean, you're smelling it all morning long and so forth. So, I mean, they are. They're 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 cycling through really well. Tomorrow, I guess Monty's out setting up the blind right now and getting it ready for tomorrow with his crew. But he's he's calling this more of a mixed bag hunt. And he said today on our way back that tomorrow's hunt, we were going to be in a smaller body of water, same style blind, smaller body of water, 
with, and we're going to see two to three times the ducks tomorrow. Oh. He says we should shoot a lot more ducks than we did today. Wow. <laughs> you better bring, wow. we better have uh, 20 boxes of shells. Yeah. It's so hard. It's hard to imagine that. I mean, yeah. it's almost not believable. I mean, we're going to come back and talk about it tomorrow, but I mean, that's just ridiculous. And he says tomorrow that it's a lot more um, conducive to what we're used to of yeah. like the approach and the, and the back flapping and, and feet down because he says these pintail and widgeon that we'll see tomorrow is, you know, in contrast to the rosy bill, those rosy bills look like they're going to set up and they let the air out and they come down and then it's just like another jet takes a and they just come. Yeah. I mean, you got to be on your game to kill them. Sometimes you get them the first two, the scouts will backpedal a little bit. And if you take those every time, it'd be perfect. The single comes in, you get that once in a while. But when you're waiting for that big flock, you think, oh, we got them. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it's just there. And you kill like three out of a group of 15, and yeah, that's good. And they're gone, yeah. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. But tomorrow he says that you're going to see more, you know, commonality of banking and coming in and back flapping and slower, slower uh, approaches, approaches with the pintail and the widgeon and the teal, which if a teal's approach is slower than a rosy bill, then something's wrong because teal get on you in a hurry too. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That teal that we killed today, that group of teal that came in, and you guys killed four with one shot or whatever, those are called ringed teal. Yeah. Everybody ahead, look up Clay. ringed teal. I, I, no. I think I did that, but no. JP's claiming it as uh-huh. well. No, no, I definitely dropped one of them. I don't even think you shot. You fight over the other three. Yeah, it was definitely me. <laughs> There's no fight. Because he, he'd hurt me if we fought. I think somebody <laughs> dropped two with one shot. Is what all three. Yeah. All really three fell. <laughs> but we, he said it. Both of us shot at the same exact yeah, time. And I thought I shot by myself. And he thought he shot by himself because it, it was, was simultaneous. simultaneous. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear his gun go off. So no. I just assumed I hit a triple. And he turned around. He's like pumping his fist. I'm like, what's going on? It's too on? bad we didn't have a video crew out there or something. Uh, yeah, we'll, this. yeah, we'll prove it. Roll, one, it. roll the tape. One and a half ducks Let's each. make sure Clay doesn't edit that one. <laughs> so five. <laughs> Darn it. Five, five shooters, two days so far. We've killed right around 275 ducks, give or take. So maybe 250, 275 ducks. And we still have Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday morning hunts to do. So think about that. If you come down here on a five-day excursion with four of your buddies and there's five of you, think about the sheer opportunity in the months of May, June, and July and the first part of August that you have to kill that many ducks. We're not talking snow geese. Snow geese, you hear numbers like that, two, 300 on a hunt in the depredation season, no plugs in your gun, electronic calling, huge decoy spreads, reverse migration is on. This is duck hunting. And we're gonna, we have the opportunity. We've killed 250 in two days, being fair. Maybe seven hundred. You could kill yeah, seven hundred. No yeah, we killed seven hundred ducks. Yeah, seven hundred. I mean, that's amazing to me. <laughs> Plus the food and the lodging and the friends and the the wine and everything else that goes into there's, this place. There's wine here. There is. Oh, <laughs> you sure? Well, when George talks, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 so no, back, there was no whining this morning. No, 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 no. Back in America in the mountain time zone in Boise, Idaho, we have uh, Team Alpha Male, our friends from Sacramento, California, Uriah Faber's gym, being represented by four fighters tonight. A couple of them are buddies with Sage Northcutt and Darren Damage Elkins and our really, really tight buddy, Chad Money Mendez. Chad's back on the card, his first fight in a year and a half. I'm excited, heck, and Monty went through extra hurdles to get us Fox 1 in English tonight on the direct TV so we can watch the fight. So part of our Sorry. evening tonight, the fights start at 7. We're going to eat dinner two and a half hours after the fight start at 9.30, <laughs> and we're having New York strips tonight. Did the fight started at 7.30 Boise time? Yeah, which would be 10.30 here. 7.30. No, Boise's hour ahead. Yeah, Boise's hour ahead of Reno. So it's mountain three. time. 
But Chad Mendez, if you're listening out there, which I know you are because you can't live without this podcast or this voice from the real Chad. Good luck, brother. We're, we're rooting for you. Good we're luck. Your Money Mendez. Guys, that's just a quick little rundown of what we're experiencing here in Argentina. I can't say a big enough thank you to Monty Baldwin. Again, our family friend from Reno was my dad's good friend. Graduated high school together back in the days, the good old days of Reno, Nevada, Washoe County. Um, to be down here and meet new friends and all of the crew down here, um, his entire staff, um, they're just, they're just so friendly and they're so passionate about what they do. And to be able to do that with your good friends. And that's what we are through hunting and through duck camp and through our camaraderie and our shared passion and love of, of birds and hunting and outdoors and friends and family. Um, we've been allotted the opportunities to visit a lot of areas. And here we are scratching another one off of the bucket list in South America. And I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to do it. Well, I mean, here we go. Here we go. It was going to be so hard. It was going so well. No, it was. it's still hard. It's like it was. Said, you know, I just don't want. Kind of like you guys. I just yeah. don't want Captain Insult to keep coming out. On. I want to oh. keep him in. Well, you know, Clay I mean, needs to be nicer to people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for real, I love doing it with you guys. I wouldn't pick another group to do it. We're going to continue to do things like this. We've already got plans. In just a couple months, we're going to be in Canada together. I mean, it's right around the corner. Things pop that fast. A couple weeks ago, JP and I were in Boston at Fenway Park for Zach's concerts and. It's just this lifestyle and this, this uh, and hunting and the, li- the people that you meet here and the friendships that you and the bonds that you make here, they're invaluable. So Argentina, Monty Baldwin, ArgentinaDuckHuntingAdventures.com. Check them out. Book a hunt. It's worth the money. I promise. Save up if you don't have it. Spend it if you do have it. Bring some good friends. And I promise you, you won't stop laughing. You won't stop smiling. And you won't stop shooting. For This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, JP, you got any final words? Man, you covered it. Clay? Can't wait to see what tomorrow holds. Rocco? Yep. Agree with Clay. Looking forward to tomorrow. George T. Thompson? Looking for 200 tomorrow. Ooh, says the bar. 200. Chad like Money that. Mendez, good luck tonight. Uriah Faber, luck, hope your money. gym is well represented. Appreciate everybody that listens to This Life Ain't For Everybody. Don't forget season 10 of The Foul Life airing right now on the Outdoor Channel. Our first two episodes have been smash hits. It's verified. The, the uh, compliments, we appreciate everybody that's watching them, supporting them, and writing in and saying what it what they mean to them. Um, we appreciate Jamie Johnson, Zach Brown, Drake White, Leith Lofton lending us their music for those episodes as well as the band Lit. Um, we're proud of our soundtracks. But again, season 10 right now on the Outdoor Channel. We're in Canada this week with Clay Charlton and the crew at Take Em Outfitters. And I think JP was on that one as well. So it's just full circle, guys. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, The Foul Life TV. Thank you for all the support. New merchandise available at thefowllifetv.com. George, stop smiling at me. I love you guys. <laughs> Chad Belding, This Life Ain't For Everybody, live from Argentina. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you very much.